This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Happy New Year, all you disaster divas out there. This is Jordan Cruciola, and I am with Amanda Smith. And we are starting out on a super note in 2021, because why not be optimistic? Um, with I just I I tripped up there, like I did the thing where I almost said the previous year, but I wonder like Will we have this thing this year, Amanda, where you for a while say the name of the old year because no, you can't, or because like yeah, like hey, is the breakup so complete that we're just like twenty twenty one? It's only twenty twenty one for fucking ever. I wrote my rent check, um, like you know, on the twentieth or something, and didn't even think twice as I wrote the date in. I was like, I know what January, what what year January's in. I've got this. I put my landlord's name in the amount line and had to redo the check. <laughs> because of that but i had absolutely no fucking questions about what year it was yeah i i i was ready not that 21 by the way is going to be any fucking oh, different we don't know we don't know yeah. um, no jordan they had a party at one of the like hype oh, house influencer mansion yeah, yeah the drip crib that had 600 people going in and out so no mm-hmm. we're fucked la is just so wait deeply- was i not supposed to throw that party Jason, no. And also, why didn't you invite us? That's hurtful. <laughs> 600 of your closest friends and like Instagram influencers and porn stars, but you didn't have your podcast Sorry. co-hosts. Yeah, wow. I was just, I was ranking my friends and I, and I got to about 600 and you got like, you guys were right I was there. ranking my <laughs> friends. 601 and 602. Holy shit. Jason, MySpaced us. Yeah. Yeah. We were out of the top 600. Wow. Um, it, yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's 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 a whole bunch of unknowns. But what we know for sure is that we've been waiting to exit 2020. Like 2021 has has been so important for so long. Not even for like the promise of it, but for just the fact that it's not 2020. That I I wonder if like we're all going to collectively just have just we're going to trauma block out the entire segment of numbers that is two zero two zero. Yeah, no, good vision <laughs> is now going to be twenty twenty one. Everyone's be like, yeah. oh, wow, no, he's got twenty twenty one vision. Twenty twenty one vision. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We don't speak. It's like it's like not saying Macbeth in the theater in America. <laughs> at the very least, we don't say twenty twenty. <laughs> we say we call it the year. We call it that year. Like that's that's all we do. Um, but we, as I said, we are starting on a super note because we today are talking about the 2012 movie Super Cyclone. Yes, I wanted Which to point is out a bit of a misnomer, honestly. They they lead with Super Cyclone, but it's so much more. And I do want to just real quick credit where credits due. I'm pretty sure Liz Adams is the first female writer director we've had. I was noticing that just now, looking at the IMDb, I was like, yeah. oh, that's a woman. It was Liz Adams. She wrote and directed this. She's written a few other uh, dis- movies. Uh, but yeah, this was definitely our first, for sure, our first female director. I think also our first female writer. So, you know, and she, she, I, I would argue, really was ambitious. Yeah. The effects in this movie are absolutely terrible. But they they go for it yeah. the whole 
movie. Like, and it's not, I, I'm not bothered by terrible effects. As long as, like, I get to have, like, sort of something in my face is, is happening and I see an animation of disaster, I'm pretty much fine with that. Like, bonus points for for really good effects. But, like, this movie starts with an, this movie is about an oil rig that punctures, that was designed to drill deeper than any other oil rig ever has before, and it punctures like a chamber of magma. It punctures to the mantle. It punctures to the mantle, causing magma to come up through the rig. And basically it creates a volcano. I think they use, do they use the term super volcano? Yeah. So they basically say that it, it punctures the mantle and allows the lava, the magma to come out um, yeah. of that hole. Cause it's not just coming up through the drill rig. It then just eventually is coming up through the entirety of the earth. Yeah. Then it's just loose. Yeah. And so, and it creates a super volcano. Which, Which then turn, causes the oceans to heat so much that uh-huh. it causes a super cyclone. Um, Which is actually really in the in the like you know NASA in the in the imaging that we see actually it seems more like a hurricane. Yes, well that's what there it's are cyclones. So that's well that's what so it's a cyclone if it's in the Pacific. Really? Yeah. So it's called. There's just different terminology. It's a hurricane if it's in the Atlantic. It's a cyclone if it's in the Pacific. What if it what what if it's in like the Gulf? That would still be the Atlantic, so it's a hurricane. It's a surf. Why why did they differentiate between those? Um, huh. Yeah. I don't know. Scientists like their names. Maybe it has to do with like just being able to differentiate where the <clears throat> origin is is would be my guess. Like that way you know immediately, oh, if we're talking about this cyclone, then you know what happened in the Pacific. Yeah, um, I mean, in the, so, but to to give you then a, a grasp of the size of the cyclone from satellite imaging, it does look like a a giant hurricane that's going to make landfall with the West Coast, particularly centered around like Southern California. Which, to be clear, we don't normally get those. No, no, and you know, so a small one would be a, a notable event, but as um, research meteorologist Dr. Jenna Sparks, played what by a great name, also yeah. Dr. Jenna Sparks is a great name, and she's played by Ming-Na Wen. Um, going at the time, it says on IMDb, but just Ming-Na. So she is – she. There, w- the best thing about this movie to me is the incredible one, like one-off lines of dialogue that happen. Like when Ming-Na – when Dr. Jenna Sparks asks, like, are you prepared for a cyclone the size of five Katrinas? And then everybody is like, holy shit. And then, like, there's a moment where she's on a a Coast Guard vessel. I forget what the affiliation is of the vessel that they're initially on um, that's taking them out to the the, uh, oil rig. But they're getting tossed about because the storm is starting to to generate. And as Amanda texted me before I had started watching it, she was like, can you make gifts? Because... This movie, like, Ming-Na is doing the absolute best at being jostled in Super Cyclone. She and there really, is so much, literally so threw much herself acting. into it. There is so much acting of being tossed about in this movie. Yeah. And in, in one scene in particular in the beginning, they're in this, um, they're in this ship. And while they're getting rocked back and forth because of the winds and everything, I she calls the oil rig and... Just the way she says it was so funny to me. She's talking to like the operator. She's like, I need to speak to your manager. <laughs> oh my God, Jordan. I love that you also specifically highlighted that because my line my, in my notes is 
She is the only person who, if she demands to speak to a manager, I don't roll my eyes at. Like she, she demands, she demands I demand to speak manager. to your manager, and it was, it was everything one could want from that moment because. Yeah, you know what? She can speak to – if she wants to speak to my manager, she can. Yeah. She can speak to any manager she wants. And it – like, they're in a crisis on the oil rig because it's being slowly sucked into the sea. And um, it, once she gets to the rig and she meets the, like, head engineer on it, the excellent Travis, played by Nicholas Turturro, um, the she sees him she's like i need to talk to your rig manager which just sounds so much more appropriate in the moment and i was like okay i would not have noticed if on the phone she had said i need to speak to your rig manager but when she shouts i need to speak to your manager it was just such a and then there's another later on they they have it's like playing a video game at a certain point in this movie they're outrunning the disaster they're trying to get to camp pendleton so they can like be at hq to figure out how to neutralize this like growing superstorm and she's talking to um military like the chief of the base and like they're they're trying to get to the base they have to hide they have to commandeer a series of vehicles they just keep stealing people's cars and taking them in this like daisy chain of grand theft auto to get to camp pendleton and at one point they they get to a guy's house some like rancher presumably up around the hills around la where nothing about this movie was done in los angeles despite their insistence that we're talking about la the entire time i don't even think their wide shots were of los angeles and they're stealing this guy's car and they're like he's like get out of here thieves get out of here he's like pointing a gun at them they're like we're not thieves we're with the government and he shoots back same thing and i was like this movie just keeps giving me the rejoinders and i am so entertained it was such a shocking for a movie that comes from the asylum which they are not known for their quality yeah yeah. um and that Again, really low expectations on this one. Yeah. What like yeah, when the guy when 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 they were stealing their car from stealing the truck from that from the guy at the rancher up in the in the hills. Yeah. And she hands him a business card. Yeah. Yeah. At, at, to show that she's from Noah as if that's going <laughs> to make it better. And then and then Nick as they run off yeah, as they run off stealing his truck. Yeah. And then Nick just, just grabs his gun and then she tells him to file a claim with the government and he shrugs. Claim. They don't say, that's my number. Call me. I will sort this out. They're like, here's this business card. Uh, Call Noah and file a claim. I was like, that's the worst, most insulting thing you can say to that man. Yeah, fi- file a claim. claim with the government in the middle of the worst natural disaster in human history they'll surely get right back to you sir everything about that sequence was bizarre and wonderful and i loved it i loved i loved any time they had to interact with anyone outside so there's like this little threesome of jenna sparks dr jenna sparks mm-hmm. and was the same travis Travis and then Dr. I just, I assumed, I just assumed his name was Vinny because despite the fact that like he's we very like, Vinny. he's extremely like he is he is playing the he I, I mean I assume not playing he is just he is the entirety of the Lower East Side of Manhattan in a person right yeah like at any point you could have been like hey we gotta stop I need some pizza and I would have been like yeah that's that's on character um and he's I guess a geologist or a yeah, he's he's, he's a, like he's a, a structural engineer he's a structural engineer okay we yeah, learn that he has got engineer on the oil rig right we know that he does sciency things with the oil rig um 
and also just is sort of a man about skills uh, mm-hmm. because he can do things like he can, uh, I guess, figure out how boats work and he can take guns from people's hands. Um, yeah, we get, a, we get a tease that a misspent youth uh, when they when Ming-Na asks him, like, why would you learn to handle a gun like that in a very, like, cheesy moment in the cab of a truck together? And he's like, well, I wasn't always the strapping hero you see before you right now. And she, she says, "What? What were, you're always prepared. Were you a Boy Scout? And he says, yeah. I'm the furthest thing from a Boy Scout, which in my head I was like, just not being a Boy Scout? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's a crime. The, the two, the diametrical opposition to being a Boy Scout isn't like a criminal. It's just not being a Boy Scout. That's the opposite. It's doing <laughs> things. It's doing not things bad. not in in group activities. Um, if anything, I would argue the opposite of being a Boy Scout <laughs> is being like a weird kid who sits alone in his room and reads. Yeah, yeah, that could be true. Um, but um, it's it's fine. I didn't care. I loved. I loved deeply like New York stereotype Vinny and his skill sets that just were there. I love that Ming-Na Wen knew how to fly a helicopter. That yeah, was just geez. a thing in an opening, one of the opening. So in the first, the the, de- the amount that this movie crams in. This a is lot. A, a lot. I just want to, like, Catalina explodes as a volcano within the first yes. few minutes and that we don't even circle. open. Yeah. That's we, the cold open. We don't even circle back to that. That's not no. even a thing. We have so many other disasters no, to right. deal with that no one's even like, what about Catalina? Yeah, nobody nobody says like even as an indication of how bad things are, Catalina exploded. Like nobody even pulls that out as a piece of evidence for how bad it's getting. Because Which there's just like too be a much great indicator about how bad things are getting. Yes, given that you can see Catalina on a clear day from anywhere in Los Angeles, yes. Yeah, it, I I could see it beautifully yesterday, and if mm-hmm. it exploded before my very eyes, I would know it was the end of the world. I I would definitely <laughs> have some questions if that happened. Yeah, I would be like, well, that's it. But um, but yeah, this in that opening. So sh- Jenna Sparks is trying to has to get to. They know that there's going to be this storm growing. Yeah. And they don't realize that the reason the storm is growing right by the rig is because the rig has tapped into the mantle. So she is sent by the Coast Guard um, to go fly a helicopter to the rig to warn them that there's a storm coming, which she very capably does while yeah. also having a wonderful sequence in which she just, as she does throughout this movie, yells instructions at men while in modes of transportation. And is and is as jostled. Yeah, jostled, jostled about. Jostled about while yelling at a man to do the something of time train or car <clears throat> or helicopter or whatever. The amount of times on a sound stage that people are sitting in mocked up modes of cabs of transport modes of transportation, throwing themselves around is incredible in this movie. And every time they just give themselves entirely to it. They do. They which really do. They didn't have to. Mingo Wen doesn't have to do that. She's fucking Mulan. She did not have to throw herself about in the body of a cab while pretending that she's being lifted up into a tornado. Yeah. But she yeah. did that for us. Uh-huh. No, it's very I I respected it. Yeah. I, I there was never a moment in this movie where I thought that she felt like she was above the material and I really appreciated that about her. Yeah, and like like uh, most recently like Ming-Na Wen has been in The Mandalorian. She was in I feel like I think she might have been in like the a core she character in the whole run of Agents of Shield. Yeah, like she was a main character. Yeah, she she is a woman who is like doing prestige television. Um, 
we love Ming-Na Wen. And you know what? She took a divergence into Super Cyclone. And you know what? The number one kind of movie I would want to be in is a fucking disaster movie. So I I would be honored to be alongside Ming-Na Wen in a Super Cyclone kind of movie. Yeah, I'm looking, to, I'm looking at her. I'm looking at her filmography. She was doing Stargate Universe at the time. She was doing Eureka at the time. Mm-hmm. She was also in Celebrity Ghost Stories, which I would love to learn more about that. <laughs> um, but she, and then she did. So she picked up Agents of, she, uh, Agents of Shield by 2013. So yeah. this is not like she. This is not somebody who has been spending her time being like, well. I'm sort of on the down, on the downward. I need no. something else. She's a good, she's a fucking working actress. Man. Yeah. She had been just consistently working. I mean, yeah, the early 2000s, she was a little bit slow. She slowed down, did a little bit of voice, a lot of voice work, actually. Yeah. Well, I'm sure as, I'm sure as an Asian American woman, that was probably the bulk of the opportunities afforded to her. Things where you couldn't really see her on screen. Yeah. It's just, that was just what was happening in the early to mid 2000s. She had picked up a bunch, but she also, it looks like might have just slowed down for for life reasons. She had a lot of like... Uh, one-off roles in David E. Kelly shows, and yeah, that guy. Fucking wow! But I mean, she worked extremely consistently up until then on up until the early two thousands with ER. I mean, this was she. This is not somebody who was taking this because of lack. I would argue because of lack of opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I think this was a choice, and. You know, I my hat's off to her because she gave her all to it. And I hope everybody and I hope Liz Adams made a fucking great- cool wearing a, a walkie-talkie on her hip. I think I hope Liz Adams created a wonderful set where everybody felt like they were having a very good time. I, I honestly think that she must have because that's the only way you could get like this kind of a performance out of out of Ming Na Wen, who at any time could have been like, "Fuck this! I've got Mulan royalties. I can walk." I I do there is just one isolated line that I do have to call out again because I loved it that I do have to call out because I loved it so much and it's when at the beginning of the movie um because the storm is happening the chief of the base at Pen- at Camp Pendleton yeah is worried that um there's going to be like an oil disaster and it's going to like continue yes! and he has this moment where he was like the coast of California is a national treasure and he's like I will not have this oil rig like defiling that it's like a, he, he says like, pristine at one point yeah he is defending the integrity of the gorgeous california coast <laughs> i appreciated that that was a big priority of his it was now, such a priority of his which i gotta you know i just want to point out jordan how much of an overlap you and i have in terms of moments that we really loved in this movie I mean, there, there are very standout moments but i would argue that the the fact that you and I have so many that we're both like, yes, and this specifically doesn't always happen and is really a, a major high point, like speaks highly <laughs> speaks highly of this film, that there's so many times in lines of dialogue that you and I specifically are like, we have to cite this one because yeah. that isn't always the case with these movies. And while <laughs> this is definitely, um, there's a lot of parts of this film where I was like, but what about not in a, in a, in a continuity or criticism way, but just uh, like the lack of, you know, there were like the fact that there was actual lava in the pump room. Yeah. And no one seemed actively concerned about that or. No, it was very unremarked upon considering the oddness of lava in inside of anything. Yeah. Anytime that someone was like, what's going on in the pump room? And Travis is like, oh, so-and-so's hurt. So-and-so's hurt. Also, there's lava in the pump room. And I'm like, filling with lava. should we lead with that? Like, yeah. But 
other than that aspect, what like props to Liz Adams for making a film that is quotable? Uh, it more than anything, I think it is actually quotable. Um, I I think as far as the the reality index goes, it's tough with this one because there are so many compounding disasters. Yeah, like we do know that um, you know there's there's the nod to. Um, climate change like at one point a character asks is all of this happening because of the oil rig and then there's like a knowing look at that character it's like we know the answer she knows what she did and this like we do know that heating oceans do cause more severe like wind weather events like yes um we the idea of a super volcano spontaneously existing under the i mean it's a sure it's a big sure moment yeah um the I I I think this is the first disaster movie where we've seen not referred to as like lava bombs, but flaming hail. Yes. Um. I don't. I don't know. I assume certain kinds of chemical composition of hail can catch fire and fly through the air like bombs. Uh, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it was it was literally just chunks of fire raining down. It was not lava. Um, yeah. And I think there is, that they explain it as having to do with the oil. Because, okay, so at one point they're driving in the truck and they're being jostled about and they can't see. And they're like, yeah. oh, no, is this mud that's being thrown about by the winds? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Vinny realizes – sorry, Travis realizes that it is actually oil from the rig that's being carried inland. Um, Which is the only time we see residual oil. Yeah. It's that one moment. It's not like a thing that keeps recurring. It's just like, oh, it's just like a temporary oil storm. Yes. And so I guess maybe it's also oil catching on fire. They explain it. They science explain it a little bit. But at that point, I was just so checked out on the science of it that I was like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's – why not? Why not have as as chief sergeant captain bald guy goes – it's literally raining fire and brimstone. And I was like, yeah, yeah that's great. Let's let's do it. Bring it on. Why it's, not have the truck is on fire at one point? Yeah, the, the truck is on fire. The yeah. truck bed is on fire. Um, Dr. Jenna Sparks is yelling at the men to put it out. Yeah. Um, the truck is on the truck gets picked up. This happens multiple times in this movie with multiple different um items. Things get picked up by extremely powerful cyclones. Only to be very gently put back down. Yeah. Like, at one point, one of the ships gets picked up and spun around by a cyclone and basically gets set back down in the ocean again and everything's fine. Then another rig, another giant, like, U.S. Coast Guard ship gets picked up, thrown over the top of an oil rig and destroyed. Well, but when they're, and then when they're in the truck, the truck gets picked up, spun around, is flying through the air, then basically just gets like plopped back down onto the earth again and everybody's okay. They it, That was a bit like, okay, we, we learn early on in this movie that the severity of things, th- somehow these characters it, it are going varies. to at once be in the middle of every bad thing that is happening, but will be preposterously mostly unaffected by them unless they're on the oil rig which is an all in bad shape but like when at one point when the characters have to abandon one of the trucks that they're in and run out on foot there keeps there's this long chain that becomes like steal a truck run on foot when it gets like sidelined steal a truck run on foot and at one point they're running and hail is fall hail and fire is falling everywhere around them 
but on them. Yes. Nobody is grazed by flaming droplets from the sky. This woman up in the hills is like, come here, come here, like, come take shelter. They get up to her house. They go inside. Not a single fucking suggestion that there is even inclement weather outside of her house. There is fire raining from the sky. And there is, she's not, she's, she's inside. So it's like, oh, thank God we're safe here. It's like, no, bitch, this would be falling through your fucking roof, destroying your home. No, no, everything's, everything's fine inside. Like the, the halo that exists around uh, Travis and Dr. Jenna Sparks and um, Dr. Percy for most of the time is almost impenetrable. And then there is like, no, they've survived so many things in their trial trying to get to the base and Dr. Percy and, and Dr. Jenna are clearly close. And then somehow Dr. Percy meets his end. That really caught me these, off guard. Oh, totally caught me off guard. Traversing the smallest. I We don't see it. I would assume this was like a props and safety issue. And they're like, skip it. They're, they're like, oh, let's run across that log, which is presumably covering like a hole. And you see, you see Travis go first and he like, it's kind of doing the balancing arms thing, but he just runs across it. It takes him like five steps. And then Dr. Jenna gets on it and she gets about two steps and she's just like, whoa, like fun house wobbling. It's like, Jenna, take one more step. Jenna, take one more step and you're on the other side. And then she takes forever getting across impossibly. Cause again, it's clear when Travis does his little running move that it takes him like five steps and then he's across. It's fine. And then Dr. Percy follows. He fully just steads, stop, stops dead in the middle of the log. And he's like, I can't make it. I can't make it. It's like, Dr. Percy, you could probably jump across whatever this is. Instead, he falls over whatever the edges of the thing we don't see and then careens down into an infinity sinkhole. Yes. Everything about that, that, a sinkhole got him? Yeah. Everything about that sequence, I was confused about what was happening. I did not understand. I knew they were trying to walk across a tree log. Um, and I don't know if they were like, well, we'll just we'll just put it in post. And then they never got around to putting it in post. And you never see them below the waist in that scene. Yeah. So you don't know what exactly they're walking across or like what no. the risk is or why they no. need to walk across the thing. Nope. Nope. None of that. It was all very confusing to me. And uh-huh. not because I was like, I'm not going to believe any of this, but because I was like, I don't understand what's what the concern is. No, I do not understand what the jeopardy is here. It genuinely seemed like they were playing a game of the floor is lava. And I just didn't understand what we were concerned was going to happen if they fell off of the tree log. I wanted to to feel that sense of like, oh no, there's a risk of something. If I had known that there was an infinite sinkhole on either side of that, I would have been Uh completely in. (laughs) By the way, not that we can have those in California. We don't have limestone in California, but Which why? They specifically make a point of saying, yeah, it's limestone. They explain, <laughs> and they explain the science behind it. Um, they like it's limestone, and the rainwater. The water from this hurricane, which we don't really see a lot of rain happening in this film. Not really. It's just in shots where they're running away from the camera through the hills that there's like digital rain put in behind them, but that's basically it. Which. What's weird to me is that I I kept being like, is this movie not filmed in Vancouver? And did they happen to go to Vancouver during the only sunny days of the year? Oh, yeah. Because it was was the most pristine weather as they're running through. And then you'd see the shots Mm -hmm. of the dark foreboding sky. Yeah. And even in the early sequences when, like, they're on the boat with a guy whose accent is as thick as – Oh, man. Just as thick as anything you would have found in in, – what is it called? Uh, Hurricane Heist. 
Until the end of the movie where right. he does not have one whatsoever. Right, it's cured because he's no longer in a storm. Yeah, he's... When well, he's, he's got to turn back to, now. Yeah. Do not like the look of these skies. And I'm just like, what are you... What is happening? It's very, yeah. like, a, it's very like Cajun um, ship's captain. And then in the end, gone. Totally yeah, gone. totally gone. Cajun ship's captain with a, a wooden steering wheel. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> on, a, on a Noah vessel. Um, anyway, so the point is, is that... There's, I would have loved, so she does explain the science behind why there would be a 300 to 400 foot sinkhole. Um, But just to clarify, California doesn't have limestone. We don't do that. I want to make it clear that the log crossing scene in Troop Beverly Hills is approximately 1,000 times more harrowing (laughs) than whatever this log crossing scene was supposed to be. Like that scene and that log, I feel like it's kind of iconic for a segment of like millennial women. Yes. And like that movie really sold the suspense. And like that log was big and that that little ravine was probably not that deep, but deep enough to where you, your daughter would get hurt if she fell. This was like, I think there's actually no hole. I think they're just flat ground. I, I actually don't think there's anything here and they're just pretending. So that was that was a weird, were a movie that surrounded you with, again, bad, but surrounded you with effects the entire time of something happening, flaming hail, super cyclone, picking up boats and ships, rain bands, oil pouring from the sky, the sky turning to fire. Catalina becoming a volcano. Catalina becoming a volcano, um, impending tsunami. Like it is a clearinghouse of meteorological and like geological based disasters. Um, and this and and this one thing was like, oh, but that log, a little, it's a bridge too far. Like, gotta cut a corner somewhere, guys. It's gonna be that log. Um, which oddly has the effect of making it the most, it's the least believable scene in the entire movie to me. Like, it it's it the peril in that is the least believable to me when it seems like could have been the most it could have been the most easily practically accomplished but again also involves safety concerns and like do we put them on a log that stunt people so there's a lot you know there's a lot that goes into everything so i get it but so that scene was weird and then which again i and what that moment teaches us really though the big takeaway from that scene when dr percy dies which comes out of fucking nowhere i really did not think anyone was from that main crew was going to die at any i did not think they were expendable in that way i was really surprised uh-huh. it's not cuz like dr percy doesn't have that sort of red shirt vibe to him no it did no. catch me off guard but not in a shocked and upset way but more in a like oh huh i he fell into the end, the depths, because he also, again, dies by a thing that has nothing to do with what's in the title. Yeah. Like, yeah. This is, I was so not expecting massive sinkhole that when it happened, I did not know what to do with it. Well, and, and what we what we get from that scene is that, oh, shit people are going to die in this movie and people do yeah. like this movie spends so much time on the oil rig with the forceful, uh, like, salty, also southern-seeming rig manager and his, like, I don't know, his chief technical officer uh, trying to keep this thing afloat and trying to save the guys on it. It spends, like... At least like 40% of the movie cutting back to this rig and all of their efforts to try and keep it stable until help comes. When that um, Coast Guard ship was that was meant to rescue them gets picked up by the cyclone and destroyed, that's their last hope. Help isn't coming. And eventually, 
these guys just fucking die. Like, nobody actually still on the rig. There isn't even, like, one ornamental survivor to be like, he went through so much. Everybody just dies and the rig gets sucked into the, like, boiling sea because the water around the rig starts to boil. At a certain point, we see guys who have been, like, pitched off the side of it. They're, like, cooking in the water. And then the whole movie goes on. And in an odd choice, really, a very grim choice to resolve the rig storyline, they have reached the point where they have done all they can do and it is time to give up hope. And instead of like just kind of being sucked down with it, they basically, like chief rig guy and his technical man, decide to just like commit suicide. They, yep. They're like, well, I guess we'll go out on the only terms we have, and we will kill ourselves in the end. They run up to like one of the decks on the rig. They stand on the edge and they are like, the, the tech guy's like, I don't think I can do this, man. I don't think I can do this. And the chief's like, you can just let go. And they just throw themselves into the sea where we watch them boil to death. Yes. And this we is watch no one in an extended sequence boil to death no one drowns in this film all of the men boil to death which means that the ocean is like 200 wow. degrees fahrenheit which is questionable but um but yeah we they just all that time with those people to watch them boil to death yeah and uh, you know but Jordan, in fairness if you're gonna put the money in to get a six foot wide water <laughs> tank for the day uh-huh you're gonna get your money's worth I mean, I this this movie like had a real cold streak in it. Yeah, where that's not even the last time we'll see a like pretty intense death. The salute, the initial solution that the doctors Jenna and Percy have for this is their nanotechnology research, in which they're like, if we release like nano, was it like silver iodine particles? Sure. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna cloud seed. They're gonna yeah. yeah. Cloud seed with, like, I think it is na- like nano silver or silver iodine nanoparticles. And they, they're, if we launch that into like this, the, where the, the storm is at the epicenter, it will create a lightning bolt that will stabilize the weather and dissipate the severity of the storm. Well, okay, we're going to create a giant... I was surprised the answer wasn't nukes. They were going to create a giant fucking lightning bolt that was going to fix the storm. And they have to deliver that with a fighter jet, like, basically shooting a missile, I guess, of this iodine shit, this silver shit, into it. And they've got one, one pilot suited for the job. He's like... I think they say he's, like, fresh out of combat. He's, like, 23 years old. They're like, this is a suicide mission. Like, he's the guy who can do it. So we meet this guy, like, near the end of the movie. There's an emotional encounter between him and his superior where he's like, sir, my whole family lives in Southern California, and he's just ready to go. Like, it's a volunteer-only mission because it's so dangerous, and this guy's just a fucking patriot. He's ready to get out there. And he's like, just tell me when to go. Sign me up. He gets into the plane. They're communicating with him, and then... At, like he's flying into the storm. Of course, they lose communication with him because um, that if, there has to be a heightening of disaster tension. They were going to tell him when to release the bomb into the storm for it to work. He keeps dodging these like lava flare ups until like one of them just fucking kills him. Yeah, and, yeah there's just a lava just shoots out of the ocean and just gets eats it. You're like, oh, he's gonna, he's gonna. 
Um, he's going to be okay. Like he'll dodge the lava. He'll shoot the night silver stuff and he'll make the lightning charge. And then no, he gets fully fucking consumed by like a flare up of lava shooting out of the ocean. You're like, Oh, he's dead. Yep. Shit. That's grim. And it's like, wow, that's a, that's a savage choice. Liz Adams. Liz, so people, you know, Liz Adams. Trust in the the story. Yeah. I do have to say, um, as far as reality index goes, one of my favorite moments in this movie is when the FEMA director is talking to like the head of the Pendleton base. And she's like, we need to save people. We need to start evacuating. She's the one saying we need to evacuate right. the region, whole region, whole Southern California, California region, dozens of millions of people. And I was <laughs> immediately in my mind, I thought of traffic on the 10 on a normal day right like a normal work day and then thought of literally everyone in the area being on the 10 at the same time actually don't evacuate just stay put like <laughs> unless you have a bike or you're on don't and you're just going east do don't like what the fuck is that that's not gonna no you're not getting anywhere yeah no this was and the, sure enough time, before you wait the time quote, to evacuate was much much earlier than that oh yeah and again it becomes exactly what it should which is utterly impassable but then everybody like at one point she was the one who was like we need to evacuate and then once it starts happening the <laughs> there's an incredible walk and talk sequence where um the the head of the base is like asking her what what every what every person thinks of what's going on he's like what is this person saying what is this person saying what does the governor think what is the and she has like a like a mini answer for everything she's he says something about the evacuation she's like sir the 405 and the 10 are parking lots right now it's like well ma'am this was your idea and then after like what does the governor think and then he just goes word on the street <laughs> word on the street and she's just like sir people are panicking and they have and most of them have guns i was like well that actually does feel quite realistic <laughs> like people are panicking they are heavily armed when they don't necessarily that when they can't shoot the storm um word on the street it's like really that's your last question you're asking the fema operator who hasn't been on the street this entire time yeah what the people um, are saying yeah word on the street <laughs> Uh, what do you fucking think the word on the street is, guy? Like, not that you don't, not that one shouldn't care how the people are doing, but do you need to ask how the people are doing? <laughs> that was, yeah, that, and there's, there's a, I don't know where John, where uh, John Turturro, Nicholas Turturro uh, lives his life, but there's a funny moment in the cab of the truck when they're all together when he's like, God, I can't, because they're taking surface streets to get where mm -hmm. they need to get to. And he's like, I can't imagine what it's like on the I-5 right now. <laughs> yeah, sure. The I-5, as we call it here in California. That is that, such, that is, that is very much not a California statement. The, the I, and like, the, the, it was, it was, it was the wrong, <clears throat> it was the wrong way to say it, kind of no matter where you are. Yeah. Because up at, up in Oregon, we say on I-5. Like, we we don't say the I- We don't say the I-5. We say I-5. And then here in- It's just the five. Here in California, it's the five. Here yeah. in Southern California, it's the five. So, um, it's just like, no matter where you would have been on the West Coast, nobody would have said the no. thing that he said. But I can't imagine I, like on the I-5. I, I mean, if he said on the interstate, okay. Yeah, or on the five. Or if he said the interstate, on the interstate five, I'd be like, well, no one in the universe says it that way, but Okay. Yeah, yeah, the I-5. <laughs> but I did love how weirdly insular to LA so much of it was when they specifically cite that everyone has to get east of San Bernardino. 
it was just one of those you know, right, if yeah. you evacuate east of San Bernardino, which I think the last time San Bernardino had was called out by name was in the original Bill and Ted's <laughs> when they needed to go to when they went to Raging Water. And I was like, yeah, that's I just I, I appreciated how weirdly California and Los Angeles so much of that aspect of it was while also having absolutely nothing that rooted it in Los Angeles in any kind of Nothing visual way. about the movie. No. Um, there's one there's like, like one some of, no. two shots of the LA downtown skyline. Yeah. That's it. And like it was all done kind of in chaparral kind of hillsides. So that was a little California-ish. The big Tahunga Dam, that was a Calif- – that's an LA thing. Yeah. Because yeah. um, the the – in addition to all these other disasters, we also get a dam disaster, which just sort of yeah. like happens and disappears. Um, it just it takes out a few million people, and we don't really deal with it again. But the the mm-hmm. the hurricane causes the dam to overflow and break. Um, again, just I appreciated how ambitious this film was. It really was. They were like, we're not going to do any of the disasters well, but we're going to give you so many disasters. It was sort of like going. It was. It was like going to an all-you-can-eat – it was like going to Golden Corral where it's an all-you-can-eat buffet, <laughs> but none of the food is actually good, but you're getting so much of it that you can't – and there's such a variety that you're like, well, I can't complain because where else am I going to get all this – like there's Chinese food as well as there is barbecue. So I can't argue this, but it's I can't terrible. argue this. Um, <clears throat> and so I appreciated that aspect of it. I appreciated the ambition. The ultimate idea to resolve uh, the storm is once the uh, silver nanoparticles don't work and that poor boy dies yes. uh, by, by lava. Um, <clears throat> sorry, scratchy throat. Um, they're going to plug the hole that the rig has drilled into with liquid nitrogen. Yes. That becomes the plan. And they need like over a hundred, obviously over a hundred thousand insane amount of cubic meters of liquid nitrogen to do this. And their their last chance, their one shot is they need to basically they need to take an oil tanker out through the one tiny sliver of ocean that still exists that is not superheated by the magma, slip through it, get to the point where the rig is, and then basically drop a tube down really deep. And administer the liquid nitrogen into that uh, hole and create an ice plug that will also, um, it will stop magma from coming up and also cool the surrounding water, causing the storm to dissipate in severity. So, of course, you know, there a funny thing keeps happening in this movie where certain things take a really, really, really fucking long time. And then suddenly, um, seemingly very complex or arduous operations will happen instantly. Like, there's a great interlude where Travis and Dr. Jenna are on foot once again after they've lost Dr. Percy, where they are on military property and a very zealous soldier holds them at gunpoint and is like, you're trespassing, I'm arresting you. And he's going to take them to the wrong base. So Travis has the very enterprising idea that once they get tied up with like zip tie handcuffs, he's like, are you cool to strangle this guy? We can steal his gun and get to Camp Pendleton. And she's like, okay. And he's like, all right, I'll give you the word. So like they attack this guy. They get his gun. They're like, call the head of the base. And they presumably get through. Yes, they get through. You see the head of the Camp Pendleton. And he's like, bring them to me right now. We don't see any more of the journey. They just appear at Camp Pendleton. And then they're like, okay, we need this giant ship, the Euclides, Euclides, 
we need this giant ship. We need to fill it with this much liquid nitrogen, which does exist at this other location. And then we're going to drive this big fucking ship out to where the rig is and we're going to plug this hole with ice. We hear all that and it's like, God, that sounds like it's something that's going to take a fucking long time. Then the next thing we see, they are getting on that boat. It's prepped. It's ready. It is tanks are filled. Their supplies, they have the supplies they need and they're setting off. It's like, oh shit. Okay. I guess we're ready to go. They They spent- they, they just spent an hour no trying question to about it. In, but that took about 30 seconds. Yeah, there's no question at any point of like, once the plan is in place, they realize that they've only got about 20 more minutes of the movie and they're like, well, we're going to, this plan's going to go off flawlessly. So they just do it. They execute really well. Um, a crew of apparently four people it is, it is yeah. Janice, Dr. Jenna Sparks. It is Travis. And then it is two like random grunts in tank tops yeah. Um, who will pilot the boat, I guess. I don't know. Someone's piloting the boat. I guess it's Dr. Jenna Sparks. And they're going to just do it. They're going to execute because this is how they fucking do. And yeah. I, I appreciated that we weren't going to waste any more time, that we were just going to get right to it. There, there was not going to be any like, well, because they need to get the liquid nitrogen from like somewhere. I want to say it was from, yeah, from Camp Pendleton or somewhere. I think they need to get no, it. It's a totally different. It was a yeah, totally different. Not from Camp Pendleton, but from um, the one that's up north by Santa Barbara. I want to say it was far away from everything we're. But dealing they managed with. Like, to get it, and then they get the and they get the tanker from Long Beach, and it happens yeah. very quickly with it's sort immediate. of that, it with that sort of wonderful way that disaster movies can just bend time in that mm-hmm. in that way, and no one questions it, and then they and they just they go out on their boat cruise, and they they go, but surprise because this movie. This movie really has like a lot of like fake you out moments. Um, well, guess what? The water is hotter than they thought it was going to be. They get out there. The boat is melting faster than they thought it was going to. Um, they've got to abandon ship. They can't complete the mission. They go to the rescue helicopter topside. But Travis, Travis stays behind. And he's like, I'll be by behind you, basically. And he's not. And then Jenna's like, we can't leave. We've got to wait for Travis. There's one more man. There's one more man. And you know what? They actually got to go. Everybody in this helicopter is going to die if they don't go. So they start flying away. Jenna is beside herself because Travis is they're, they're tr- They are not trying to, but they are telling us there is sexual tension between, between. They're not trying to establish it. They're just telling us there's sexual tension between uh, Jenna and Travis. So at this point, like there's a fondness um, in addition to just like having gone through something intense together. So the helicopter's flying away. And then this becomes another like moment about like crossing the log. We don't actually see Travis do anything interesting or extra heroic on the boat. We just see hands tightening a bolt. Yes. That's all. And presumably that is Travis making sure that the liquid nitrogen can be delivered completely so that it plugs the hole before the boat fully goes down we just see hand, we all always that's all we see there's not like a, a you know a determined look on his face it's just hands they didn't have time for more pickups that was it and so then we see the boat get sucked down to the water it's fully melted but it worked the mission successful the storm starts dissipating but like you assume travis has been sacrificed at this point because also a lot of people have died you're like you know what they might have killed travis too but then Uh, presumably to scan the waters for him. It seems like they are specifically out there on a search and rescue. The boat with the formerly Cajun ship's captain is back out in the location around where the rig was. Again, it has been sucked into the sea at this point. And Jenna is standing on the bow of the ship, looking out with binoculars, just scanning the sea. And she sees something. And it looks like a... It is uncannily similar. It is good. It's like, it's the nuke the fridge moment. Of Super Cyclone, a la Indiana Jones and, and the Crystal Skull, 
uh, where we just see what looks like a large fridge yep. with a man slumped over in it. No explanation is given, but I guess they pick him out of the water and I think we just fill in the blanks and decide that he took shelter in a in fridge? A, in, a, in, in, a, a in a floating fridge. Because we know that fridges are, are notably buoyant. In, 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 in some kind of insulated box <laughs> that was impenetrable to magma and did not sink, um, Travis closed himself in. Uh, it floated to the surface. The ship sank, I guess. And then he opened the door to breathe and mm-hmm. then passed out. And then they found him and they rescued Travis. Yeah, they, they rescued Travis. Now, Jordan, you've brought up the sexual tension or lack thereof between yeah. Travis and Jenna's, Dr. Jenna Sparks. Um, I had completely written off any chance that there was going to be anything romantic there because notably in one of the early scenes and throughout the film, he has a fucking wedding ring on. Oh, does he? He does. Okay. Well, also, let's not let's <laughs> he you know, has a wedding ring on for the entirety of the movie, which I have to assume was that they forgot that he was wearing a wedding ring. He they filmed a shot and then they're like, fuck it, for continuity purposes, he's wearing a wedding ring now. So he ring. is through the whole thing very obviously in that last scene after she's rescued him, and they're like, ah. they have a moment up on the boat. On the on the on one yeah, of the decks, like, and he like calls her beautiful. He calls her beautiful and wraps an arm around her. Yeah, like, with a blanket, like, they're sharing a blanket. Yeah, and there's just like a moment, and he absolutely has a wedding ring on. And Got it. Okay. I just I was like, yeah. on the one hand, it could be a continuity error. On the other hand, you know what? It could just be his thing. And yeah, that's entirely possible. He spends a lot of time on oil rigs. Who knows what their arrangement is? Um, he also, I do want to point out, uh, at the beginning of the movie, when the oil rig disaster starts happening, one of the men who works on the rig is his uncle, who he only calls uncle. May not un- know his Uncle name. Gibbs. He only calls him uncle. Un- you know, he's called Uncle Gibbs sometimes. But by him or somebody else? By him. Because he actually calls uncle. him like Uncle Gibbs or something. And <laughs> he absolutely does. And they look like they are the same exact age, which I loved. I could not tell whether the uncle was older or younger. Yeah. Um, they look like they look like they are the same age. He's Uncle Gibbs, but Uncle Gibbs or Gubbs or Grubbs or Grubbs. It's, it's a Clegg? Okay. I knew it was something where I was like, that's not really a name. Um, uncle Clegg is so proud of Travis because he's the first one to go to college and Uncle Clegg lived his whole life on the lived his whole life on this rig and Uncle and Clegg uh, Travis got further than he ever did. Yeah, um, yeah man. Notably Uncle Clegg is not from Brooklyn. Yeah, no, he's he does not have the thick accent that you know but he spent a lot of years on oil rigs, man. Maybe that could be that could be what it is. Yeah, that's probably what it is. So, so yeah, um, yeah, okay. So married Travis, and the movie ends with married Travis and Doctor Jenna having a tender moment together on the on 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 a platform of a boat. Yeah, crisis has been averted. Super super cyclone no more. Everything super cyclone no more. Everything is fine, and uh, the I assume Catalina is not a volcano anymore. Yeah, I mean it's gone. So. <laughs> Nobody's visiting Catalina anymore. Yeah. Um, so if that then, that then should bring us, that brings us to the end, I think, of the reality index, which should then catapult us into the what was this movie really about after we tell you a little bit about our sponsor. Folks, do you love movies, the good ones, even the bad ones everyone told you not to like? 
it sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their life to bringing you top quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From super soft t-shirts advocating for the immediate production of a third national treasure, to comfy sweatshirts that serve as a call to arms for all of those in support of making Judy Greer America's lead. They even have pins of some of your favorite directors like Sofia Coppola and Jordan Peele. Super Yaki joyously brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly 100% water-based inks, and they ship in compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. And as a special gift to you, listeners can save 10% on their order with code SUPERFRIEND. That's all caps, no spaces, SUPERFRIEND at checkout. If the spirit moves you, find them at superyaki.com. S-U-P-E-R-Y-A-K-I.com. Let's watch more movies. And I just got to say, I am wearing yet again my Birds of Prey for Best Picture for Your Consideration <laughs> t-shirt. As is, it's one of my favorites of theirs. It's one of my favorites. It's, and it's always like my go-to uh, because it's very large uh, for days when I don't want to be reminded of how much sodium I've eaten in the last few days. <laughs> and one thing I really got to shout out about them is, you know, they screen printed with eco-friendly materials. It has held up through so many washes through the terrible oh, yeah. industrial washer dryer that is at my apartment complex. <laughs> I am stunned by, I have a lot of graphic tees uh, from a lot of different small kind of online companies and I am shocked by how well this it looks just as bright and vivid with its bisexual lighting color color it scheme does. as mm -hmm. it did the day I bought it so yeah. you know way to go super yaki I mean it's a it's a feel-good American small business story it went from a hobby to a full-fledged operation uh with Andrew the creator of it this uh last year and it's just there. He's a really nice person. And the people who run it are really delightful. And they give a lot of money away to good charities. And they're just I'm I'm very happy that we are a partner of theirs. I feel really good about it. Absolutely. So yeah, it's uh, it's not just something that we endorse. It's something we own. Exactly. And that that takes us to the what was this movie really about? Amanda, what do you have for this one? Can I be honest, Jordan? I don't have mm. anything. <laughs> Normally, I do my homework and I come with something and I'm like, yes, this is what the movie was really about. But I I got I got nothing. I, it wasn't about like climate change. I guess you could kind of argue it was about like the effects of capitalism kind mm -hmm. of wreaking havoc upon, you know, upon our world. Mm -hmm. But it, it was it was not. It was it was, <laughs> it was truly not. it was truly just to me a a good fucking time about mm -hmm. about a bunch of of basically one woman going how many disasters can i cram into my film oh man yeah um she really does i mean i would argue this is this is the let women let more women or people who aren't let more people who aren't uh white men write and direct these movies because <laughs> unexpected things happen uh let your leads be fantastic actors like Ming-Na Wen mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and magic will happen. Mm -hmm. um, if for no other reason than her hair just is glorious throughout that film in a way yeah. that we have not seen since Helen Hunt. <laughs> just, yeah, I, I, I don't really have a, what was this movie really about? But what I took away from it personally was just how much can be brought to 
how much ambition can be brought when you let other people other than your usual go-to laundry list of seven dudes mm-hmm. make a goddamn movie. Yeah. So that's me. Jordan, what did you think this movie was really about? I This is a conversation I was having with somebody recently, so it's very top of my mind. Um, this movie, to me, uh, is about exactly what 2020, the year that has just ended, is about, which is that, you know, I was having a, a talk with a friend who was kind of blue, and, you know, just it's, it's it's tough time. There's a lot. It's hard to find hope. It's hard to find possibility. And I was like, well, here's the thing, friend. If this year has told us, has taught us one thing, it is that not only if you feel like if you feel like something is just unfixable or impassable or whatever, it's like not only can anything happen, literally everything can happen and all at the same time. Yes. Super Cyclone reinforces for us, like 2020 taught us, that if you're like, nothing can ever be good again, or I don't know what's going to happen next. Like, it's not purely an optimistic thing, but I think it can be if you if you would like to make it that. If you're, if, if something is just like, you're in a situation, you can't get out, you're stuck, you're in a rut, like you, you, you can't pass this like uh, interpersonal or emotional hurdle you want to, well, guess what? Not only can anything happen and you have no idea what the next thing will be that comes along, absolutely everything is capable (laughs) of happening on top of each other at the same exact fucking time. Yeah. And when those things are bad things... Uh, majority bad things it's really awful but like that does that it's not going to be exclusively bad things so really you can't ever say i'm stuck in any one thing and i'm i'm it's never going to be different or i'm never going to get out of it or i can't change my circumstances because oh my god you have no idea what or how many things sit around the next bend (laughs) that could change or come into existence all at once (laughs) That is what Super Cyclone told me. Uh, Yeah, that's an important lesson to take away from this film. Everything can happen at the same time. Yeah. Catalina (laughs) Catalina turning into a volcano can be the least of your problems. It can be the thing that doesn't even make the news that day. God, Catalina turning into a volcano truly is the, we almost went to war with Iran of 2020. Just, it just exists in a Chiron, like, man. Remember that's, that? that's the only play it got remember was a Chiron. World War Three was trending within a few days of the start of 2020. That isn't oh, even yeah. that wasn't even our biggest problem this year. That, that was so fucking down the list of priorities <laughs> by the end of February. Like, holy shit! <laughs> what the fuck? Everything what the can fuck happen. Was this year? Ev- everything can and like. That wasn't even like in that it wasn't even we might be at war with, with North Korea. It was Iran. Like not that that's not like a a, str- a tense geopolitical situation, but like I feel like it. You would have guessed North Korea. Like what country did we almost go to war with at the beginning of twenty twenty? I feel like people would be like, oh, North Korea probably. Oh no, it was Iran. Oh, it was Iran. It was. Iran. It is a trivia question. Yeah. That's so, yeah. That's, that is so fucked. Yeah, that's so you know again underscoring everything can happen. <laughs> everything <laughs> so you know keep your head on a swivel but also know that you don't know what the weather's gonna be like tomorrow so don't 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 guess it don't oh, don't guess it. just no don't be don't be certain just be just be ready to adapt 
<sighs> that's that's what they do in Super Cyclone. Yeah. They're just adapting constantly. They yeah. We are, you know, and they're going into a they're going into their own kind of 2021 at the end where climate catastrophe is certainly not resolved, but for that moment, they're looking out at the methane causing the methane rainbow overhead being like, that's pretty. Yeah, because that's what you can do. That's all you can do. Yep. It was well no, the rainbow was the rainbow was from the liquid nitrogen as proof that the liquid nitrogen worked. Ah, that was it. From That's liquid what, nitrogen. Yeah. Forming like the crystal plates Which in the cloud. I really appreciated that he was like, Oh, it's a rainbow. And she was yeah. like, actually, <laughs> here's what it is. Because again, this entire movie could just be Jenna Sparks correcting and yelling at men, and I would have been completely on board. Yeah, yeah, that would have I would have bought into that too. That would have been a, a very delightful time for me. Would have had a great fucking time if it was just Jenna Sparks popping up between conversations of men and being like, "You're both wrong," and then yelling at them about what direction they need to turn in the car. Loved it. So, do you have any? Do you have any dream casting for this? Then you know the one thing I would do um, because it was a pretty great cast. Um, but I gotta say, if we're gonna give, if we're gonna give Doctor Jenna Sparks a romantic subplot, and you know we should, it's what she deserves. <laughs> it's what she deserves. I think she's better on her own uh, because men are a uh, poison. So I, mean, I think I agree. she's better alone. I agree, but I do think that there should be a man who just absolutely fucking thinks she's amazing the whole time. My new thing, sure, yeah. I don't know if you, Jordan, my new thing is that I want a man who's slightly dumber than I am so that he thinks I'm just spectacular all the time. Oh, okay. Um, and so I think that is what she deserves. Um, okay. But as a result, I do want to get rid of, sorry, Nick, Turturro, um, sorry to do this to you. I'm gonna boot you back to the East Coast. And oh, okay. I am gonna reunite Ming Wen. I don't know if they crossed over at all, but with ER co-star Garan Vishnich. Oh, okay, okay. Because he can smolder. <laughs> he can smolder. And in a movie where you have so much happening, I think there needed to be a little bit more smoldering between the two of them. Okay. Um, also, I just like it when he's on my screen. Just, mm-hmm. I just like his 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 gravelly voice, and uh, yeah, that's what I would do. Is I would just plug him back in, and then you could you could definitely. I would want this to be like an NBC made for TV event. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess nowadays we would put it on Peacock, but I would right, want this yeah. to be like an NBC made for TV event where they're like reuniting ER stars, Ming Na <laughs> yeah. and Goran Vishnich. And everyone yeah. would be like really excited about this this huge crossover event, um, and that's what I want for them. And uh, he would not be married. <laughs> and that that's a good. That's just a good start. Yeah, I would just I would make sure that our prop master keeps an eye and make sure that he's never wearing his wedding band in a shot. And uh, but otherwise, like you know what, loved loved the cast. Thought everyone was doing their best and doing the most. Uh, mm-hmm. We didn't even talk about like weird, weaselly other scientist guy who was just stuck at the base and occasionally popped up to yell things. Yeah, he was and just kept getting shot down. Yeah. Like, okay, that's enough out of you. Because his 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 solution was basically, you know, if Dr. Jenna was here and they're like, well, she, she's fucking not, okay? <laughs> yeah. And then when he's and like he tries to have a bonding moment with her on the boat while she's looking for, for Travis and she's just yeah. like, I don't want to talk right now. And he just looks sad and walks away. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know what? Even he was trying. This the guy who did not get what? didn't get cast in Big Bang Theory. Like, <laughs> yeah. everyone did their best, uh, and I really appreciated that from this film. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the only thing I would do is I would add an NBC budget. I would make it actually look like it was shot in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. um, and then I would 
I, you know, one thing I will say I'm really grateful for, she didn't have a family that she needed to rescue. Yeah. She never <laughs> once had to deal with civilians. We saw a lot yeah. of like kind of ancillary destruction of Los Angeles at different times. A building at one point completely explodes. Yeah, um, we saw people running across a bridge. Yeah, like we see chaos, general chaos. There there were several like stock footage shots of roadways flooded from places that were yeah. absolutely not California, yeah, uh, which you could not. tell because the foliage just did match did not match up. Um, yeah. I think the beaches that they – I think the establishing beaches they show for, were from like Florida. Yeah, it, you know, like, they just took stock, the- they took stock photos, footage and just rolled with it. And I'd love to see Liz be given a slightly higher budget to see what she can do with that. Because yeah. I truly think like instead of so much fantasy casting, my it's fantasy budgeting for me. Fantasy budgeting. I mean, but wouldn't they all love fantasy budgeting? Some people don't deserve it. Liz deserves it. Liz. Some people don't deserve it. Liz definitely deserves it. I think that if she had been given more than $30 and a smile, we could have had something <laughs> special here. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, some cool effects would have been rad. Yeah. Jordan, what do you think? Um, I'm keeping Nicholas Turturro and Ming-Na Wen both in place. I, it was, too, it was, his, his vibe was too surprising in this particular <laughs> role for me to want to lose. And I absolutely do not want a romantic plot on top of every other disaster we had in this movie. Sure. Um, and I, the, his, his, his New York accent was just too perfectly out of place, uh, for me to let go of that. I will make Dr. Percy, um, Brian Cranston because <laughs> that guy was just the guy who wasn't Brian Cranston. Sure. Um, so that's who he's going to be. And I'm going to make the head of Camp Pendleton. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double down on Turturro and I'm going to make that John Turturro. Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to stack this with, I think utterly unrelated Turturro. <laughs> and because I just want to see his like weird, um, very much the exact performance that he had that he gave in the Transformers movies. Sure. Where he was basically playing a Coen Brothers character in a Michael Bay movie, in a series of Michael Bay movies. I want him to have that weird esoteric power trip thing. Um short clipped, weird talk way of talking, alienating strange man. Um, I, I'm going to put him in charge of the base, but that's going to be that that's, that's the extent of my changes. All right. I I love it. I love an extra Totoro. You know, they're the, like Mark McGrath goatee happening on the happening on the oil rig chief was it was too that combination too was was too strange for me to sacrifice. They had an odd complimentary they had an odd chemistry that I was like, who are these two fucking guys? Yes. It was just everything about that whole dynamic was just so odd and wonderful. And it kept cutting back. And I was like, this is, feels like a different movie, but I'm okay with it. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely did. So, yeah. No, I'm with you on that. And you know the Torturos are brothers. They are not unrelated. They, are they? Okay. I was not, I was yeah. not sure. Nick is, right then. Nick is the younger brother. So I like yeah, that. Okay. One. No, that's, I, that's a perfect, like, older sibling, younger sibling rivalry thing I want. Then I want them to, like, bitch at each other on the walkie-talkie, walkie-talkie at some point. Yes. I'm in. I love all of this. That would explain why, you know, he's so invested in that one particular rig. Love it. Yeah, and why he thinks they're going to fuck up everything yes. and destroy the California coastline because his idiot brother is the engineer on the rig. Love it. I'm in for this. All right. So, Jordan, how many Towering Infernos are you giving this film? You know, I'm going to give it a three and a half. Yeah. I'm going to give it a three and a half. Um, again, um, you know, solid effects are not required. I would have, it would have been cool to see more. That probably could have bumped it a bit for me. But like you said, I was endeared 
to all of these characters. I liked the performances. And it did feel, to me, it, it did feel oddly long for an hour and a half, but not in a way that I was like, this is shitty long. It was just like, God, I, I am still here. But man, for disaster density, yeah. you could not have asked for more. See, and I think that's why it felt long was because we don't eat, we get the volcano within the first 10 minutes. Jesus. And it's not, and it's called Super Cyclone. Yeah. The the density of, of of disasters, I think, really almost becomes to the point where you're like, it's like eating too much food. You're just like, is this <laughs> yeah. meal still here? And I'm not hungry three days later. Yeah, yeah. And but it's but like, you know what? Thank you. Thank you. Because you can't the uh, the I will again, I will I don't think I'll ever remember the name of that lightning ball movie that we watch. Uh, wait, f- fire from below. No, the one that was recent that was utterly Almost oh, unwatchable. Yeah. Deadly voltage. Deadly, Deadly voltage. voltage. Yeah. Deadly voltage had so little disaster. Yeah. It was a, it was an embarrassment and a, a snooze. But this, you know, this is the polar, this is the this is the opposite of deadly voltage. As far as one, much like as far as one could be from a Boy Scout, as far as one could be from Deadly Voltage, that is what Super Cyclone is. Yeah. It was. It is a dense. It is a packed movie. As we even get a lightning spectacle in this movie at one point. We do. That's true. And they're like Katuba lightning, and I was like, I don't. Is that a thing specifically? It is, but it's specific because I looked it up, and it's specific to like this one region, to like Venezuela or something. I. It was. It's a very specific kind of lightning that I don't know. I would immediately be able to identify that kind that of. That guy was on it. Doctor Percy was, was on it. He was on it. There were no questions. Also, Doctor Percy, who's a medical doctor as well as a doctor doctor. Yeah. <laughs> good it's true good for dr percy he and, yeah. and he can identify lightning i was just i was very impressed by dr percy he just can't walk yeah he i like i was walk really across a log poor i was really bummed he died yeah so so was so was dr jenna sparks for about 30 seconds yeah well they had to get going yeah um but yeah it was it, so what's was, what's your what's your towering inferno raiders i go back and forth because um i would agree like three and a half three and three quarters as a as a towering inferno rating, but I would put this up there if it sometimes feels unfair. Uh huh. Um, because there's very few of these movies. A big part of the rating for me is watchability. Yeah, and or like not watch, but rewatchability rather. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I go back fair. to this again, and I don't know that there's many of these movies that I would go back to, and I feel mm-hmm. like that becomes very unfair. So it's like a three and three quarters for me okay. on the towering inferno scale. But on the scale of did they accomplish what they were trying to, this is probably, I would say, maybe the one of the best, if not the best, made-for-TV ones we've seen. Better th- I mean, not better than Earthtastrophe. No, Earthtastrophe is the only other one because Earthtastrophe goes full Christopher Nolan. Yeah, it does. So Earthtastrophe is, I guess, like a five on that scale. And then yeah. this is, I would say, like a, a strong four. Okay. Okay. Like this, if if you gave it a script doctor, this could mm-hmm. become a uh, an actual disaster movie. And I don't know that you can say that about most of the other films we've seen. I think that's a good distinction. Yeah. 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 Like if you it, there, it, there is that potential. Yeah. There. And it's not even like if you give it a script doctor because the script is so bad. It was just like, well, it needs a little something more. Uh-huh. But all the basics were like you don't need to change the cast, you don't need to change the fundamentals no. of the plot. Most of the set pieces you don't need to change. You just need to like flesh it out a little. And yeah. then it, this was like, I mean, I as someone who is working on a disaster movie, 
this very much feels like she was like, okay, this is my second draft. It's good enough. Uh-huh. Uh, let's film it. And which is exactly, which is a hundred percent why I find writing a made for TV disaster movie appealing because I don't like doing extra work. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't think I'll be doing any revisions, uh, once I get through a second draft. Ah, okay. Because meh, it's good enough. And this absolutely falls in that. And so I think, yeah, this is like a good four for me, uh, on the, on the made for TV movie scale. Got it. Okay. So what's the cumulative then? No, I'm still doing it three and three quarters as like uh, oh, okay. on our towering infernos, but I wanted to like give it a caveat. Okay. You know, yeah, this is, fair. this is like if, this is like if, if, you know, an amateur athlete decided to just suddenly go into the Olympics and beat the other people in their division. Like that would be very <laughs> unexpected. But uh-huh, if they, uh-huh. if they do a pretty good showing within that Olympics, you know, if, if like some random gymnast showed up and didn't place with Simone Biles, but everyone was like, wow, that was pretty good for somebody who isn't Simone Biles. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't, you, uh, you impressed us. Still. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're, you're not going to win. You're not getting a medal, but you're, you're not, you're top 20. This is, this is what this is for me. That sounds good. That's very respectable. Yeah. That's what I think. Anyway. So I'm, I'm good job. Good job, Liz Adams. <laughs> good job, Ming-Na Wen. Yeah. So Jordan, we've got an exciting, yeah. we've got an exciting development for next week. Yes, we do. Yeah. So we are, we, yeah, we'll be, we will be covering, you know, we get a new release this time and that's always an exciting development. Um, We will be watching the movie Greenland, the new Gerard Butler special with the New York Magazine critic who positively reviewed it and who is a scholar of Gerard Butler himself. The, one of my absolute favorite um, journalists working today, he's an incredible film writer, Bilga Abiri. Um, my former coworker and one of my certainly one of my favorite people I worked with and, and one of the people who I, I I will just click on instinct. Anything Bilga writes, I will click on instinct. And so I'm very excited to have his keen insights on Gerard and his his wonderfully like highly learned but populist sensibilities come to the pod. Hell yeah. Yes. <laughs> very exciting. So you can find that on it is available to buy or rent on video on demand platforms. So iTunes. Uh, Google Play, Amazon Prime, of course, and then um, an assortment of other ones that you would not really probably use, like Redbox or Cox <laughs> or Row 8 or AT&T U-verse or DirecTV. Like, these are not – let's be real. We're all going to either watch it on Amazon Prime or iTunes. Um, yeah. And yeah, I am. We've, we've had several people asking about this and this is what we were kind of waiting for all the pieces to come together on. And it did. And so, yeah, we'll be, we'll be venturing to Greenland. And I, I would like to make a movie recommendation that it wouldn't quite be appropriate for the pod because it, it's not, there's not enough animal disaster for it to qualify as an animal disaster movie. Uh-huh. But if you would like to watch a very, an Indian film with the intensity of uncut gems. Oh God. That, it is about a water buffalo breaking loose in a village and terrorizing the town as every man in the region becomes more like frothed up and obsessed with um, capturing and killing this water buffalo. It is a it's one of the most weird, intense movie experiences I've had in a very long time. And it's free on Prime. So you can watch Jellicatu, J-A-L-L-I- K-A-T-T-U, if you would like a animal disaster movie that's not really an animal disaster movie, but I highly recommend right. it to you. Where the real disaster is men? Oh, oh God, yeah, it is. Yeah. The last the last quarter of the movie, I was just sitting with my jaw on the floor, like, 
can't believe it's built up to this point. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. I also, uh, I, I, sure. I'm in. Yeah. Just like, wanted to get that out there for people. That sounds horrifying. <laughs> it's anxiety producing. Yeah. I, as soon as you said it with the intensity of uncut gems, I was like, nope, I'm, yeah. I'm out. Yeah, that's exact. That that's the closest thing that it reminded me of. I, that's where I, I said I'm in. Yeah, no. Yeah, it, it, it's it's just relentless. I I like my my entertainment to not fill me with the levels of stress that my body normally carries. <laughs> like anxiety, the anxiety of uncut gems is just like no, I'm I'm good because that's me most days walking in my neighborhood and shit. A lot to deal with. It's just, it's just a lot. Of, I don't want that anxiety. Like I haven't seen it. I just would assume that it's that level of stress and anxiety of just like my my day to day life of just. I mean, there could be a level of, of detachment. The inside of my uncut, brain. Uncut gems is like a familiar environment to you, and that it's like a, an American urban scape instead of like an Indian village. Oh, so there true. Might be a kind of like distancing effect that can happen, but don't don't put yourself through it if you don't want to. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, but I'm excited for you to watch or other people to watch it. And I'm yeah, really fucking do. excited that we're going to do Greenland because yeah. I've been looking forward to watching Gerard Butler, presumably, I would assume, at some point, punching the comet. Yeah, I'm really, really excited for, for that. I'm, I'm pumped we're doing it. Yeah. So we'll see that next week. Um, but in the meantime, uh, Jordan, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Jorcru, J-O-R-C-R-U, and also Patreon at patreon.com slash cruciola. Uh, you can pay me for the good writing and podcasting that I do. And why wouldn't you want to do that? It's great work. You absolutely should pay Jordan for those things. Hell you yeah. should. And Jason, where can we find you, enigmatic producer Jason? Yes. Oh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jason Halftone and uh, all the other lovely podcasts on this network at thatmightbecool.com. All right. And then I am at Amanda R. Tubbs on Twitter. And that, of course, is Tubbs with two Bs. Two Bs. Mm-hmm. Two Bs. Uh, where I am just sharing everything that spills out of my brain directly into my phone. And uh, <laughs> otherwise, that's that's where you can find me. That's it. Inside of my phone. Um, oh, also, this was a thing that I... I put out on the pod on the on the account and then completely forgot that I was a thing I wanted to do. Uh let's we're run a, gonna run a contest. Oh yes, that's right. <laughs> I totally forgot to even mention this more than once on the Twitter. I mean it was the holidays. It's a lot. I, yeah, also, you know, I just forgot. Um so dumb Twitter contest that I decided upon or that we've decided upon. Jordan and I will be giving away a signed copy of 47 meters down, signed by both of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, doing our best impressions of Mandy Moore's signature as we would imagine it to be. As we would imagine it. Um, so doing, having no context to what Mandy Moore's signature looks like, we will be doing our signatures in that way. I really don't know. I really don't know what it looks I, like. I don't know either. I want to be very clear. Mandy Moore has nothing to do with this contest. Nothing Her signature all. has nothing to do with this contest. This is, again, nope. art pieces as far as yes. I'm concerned. This is our, our art interpretation of yes. the essence of Mandy Moore. I think that's the best way to put it. Yes. Signed on this 47 Meters Down DVD that I got at Best Buy for $2. Um, And so the way you can enter that competition, you have to be in the U.S. um, And all you have to do is you have to tweet about Disaster Girls and tag three friends of yours, as well as the account, obviously. So you have to tag Disaster underscore pod. And then three friends that you think would really love listening to Disaster Girls. 
Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we're a good time. Yeah. And then also you get a bonus entry if you write a uh, write a review of us and then send us that review so we know it's from you. Please. <laughs> um, and uh, really quick to, to add on to that, I do want to highlight uh, uh, one of the recent reviews we've gotten in the last month. Oh, mm, great. So we've gotten we've gotten a few reviews in the last month. I'm gonna shout out a couple here, and then we'll we'll shout out a couple more on the next episode. Um, but uh, this review, which again, if if you want to enter in that contest, have bonus entries, then please throw us a review on iTunes. But uh, this is a lovely review. Uh, it's five stars. It says can't say enough nice stuff. This is from Half Prince Horror on uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, thank and you, say- and a fellow podcast. Uh huh. Oh well, there we go. Yes, or half, I, half price horror. I, I totally read that wrong. Um, but uh, here's here's the, the 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 meat of the review. They say, "Where do I begin? The banter is fantastic. The breadth and depth of the host's knowledge of film floors me every time. <laughs> Amanda's laugh is infectious. Jordan has a voice that makes me wish she could narrate all my audiobooks. And Jason is the rare thing among pod- podcasters, a dude who isn't dead weight. Here's <laughs> the whole archive. You won't regret it. No, Jason. Producer Jason is only a value add yeah jason is jason i would argue is the, the buoyant refrigerator in which jordan and i nestle ourselves <laughs> to be safe in the turbulent waters of <laughs> turbulent waters podcasting. yeah all i've ever wanted to be is a buoyant refrigerator <laughs> everybody's dreams coming true guys <laughs> true. Buoyant, our buoyant refrigerator jason truly <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for that um, that's a really yeah, wonderful thank review so thank you really and, and coming from a peer thank you that's yes. that's absolutely wonderful and then i'll just uh really quick highlight another uh another review that we got just in the uh past couple weeks uh it's a, another five-star review it says insightful and hilarious from Brittany b714 uh and the meat of the review is pretty simple it just says i love this podcast 10 out of 10 recommended thank, thank you. you we really appreciate that and that's you know what and that just as easily as completely counts as an it could be an entry you don't have to write Absolutely. you don't have to write a long poem about how no. amazing we are it can just be love the podcast yeah you can go deep if you wanna it's up to you just make sure that you also either tweet us with like this is my i am this person on the reviews or send us a link or something through dm uh we are disaster underscore pod um and then we're disaster girls pod at gmail.com and this con- pod with two b's wait a minute <laughs> And I guess this contest, like, let's just run it through January. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. So I'll try to remember to tweet about it this time and uh, enter. And we'll see y'all back next week for Greenland. Happy New Year, everybody. Bye. That might be cool.com. You never know.